Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Throughout our lives, our relationships will grow and they'll change. How we navigate these transitions matter. Today on Better Together, Sheila Walsh, Christine Kane, Dr. Anita Phillips, Nicole C., and Robin Wilkerson are talking about how to handle change with wisdom and grace. Come on, join us. You know, yeah, I, sometimes relationships have to change. And I'm not talking about marital relationships right now. But just sometimes even friendships, they change. You know, yeah. sisterhoods, they change. And sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes you feel a little guilty because you're not both growing in the same direction anymore. And, and I was just thinking earlier today, I was thinking about Ruth and Naomi. And we talk about them all the time and how they had to leave, you know, Moab and they went back to Bethlehem and, and a new life was started. And, but, but I was thinking there's another person in the story that we don't really talk about very often. And you know, there was another sister who had become, well, she was a sister-in-law to Ruth, but she was probably more like a sister because they were both married to brothers and they were married to Naomi's sons. And, you know, they had probably lived in the same house, cooked together. You know, they had both lost their husbands eventually. They were both widowed. And it was time now for Naomi to go home. And she was saying, hey, you guys, I want, you know, they were going to go with her to Bethlehem. Well, Eventually, after Naomi started just breaking down the truth and spelling it out, saying, girls, turn back. I have nothing to give you. Like, I'm not going to have any other kids. And even if I had a son tonight, would you wait long enough for him to be grown and marry him? No, you wouldn't. So, you know, after listening to this, eventually Orpah, the other one that we don't really hear a lot about, she decides that, hey, although, Ruth, you and I, we've been growing together, we have been living together, we've been sisters for probably the last 10 years or so, you know, I'm gonna go back. And now, you know, Ruth is without her sister and relationships have changed for her, you know, that's, that was no longer the same. And it hit me though, that when we're in those seasons where sometimes somebody falls off, God is always so good to make sure that we still have somebody somewhere. And even if we don't, sometimes there's a transition period if he's like, okay, it's just gonna be you and I. But it's so good because God strengthened the relationship between Naomi and Ruth, even without Orpah. Now, Orpah, she wound up doing her own thing. But Ruth and Naomi, of course, they went to Bethlehem, and we've heard the story. And we all love, you know, Boaz coming in and sweeping Ruth off of her feet and the whole nine. And eventually, you know, David's in that lineage and Jesus Christ is in that lineage. But I'm so glad that Ruth didn't give up and say, well, hey, you know, my sister's gone. Things aren't the same, so I'm not going to enjoy life. But no, she continued on, even though things were a little funny between her and her sister-in-law. And more than likely, they never saw each other again. But they still had a shared history. And I thought, you know, there are some certain women in my life, and I love my sister girls. I would not be here without my sister girls. And I know sometimes sisters can be dramatic, but sisters are one of the greatest gifts that God has given to women. I really believe that. But I know that even as my marital status has changed, you know, that I still have some single sisters and most of my single sisters are over the moon happy for me. But then there are some that are, you know, it's a little difficult for them 
to celebrate because they're like, well, how about me? You know, I haven't had my, you know, Boaz come and sweep me off of my feet. And so it's a little different. And so relationships, they do change. But even as they're changing, if we stay in Christ, he's going to continue to bring us other women, other people, other seasons of joy that can propel us. And so I don't know if y'all have had any kind of funny situations with, you know, sisters or any, you know, maybe you feel guilty that you may not be on the same complete path anymore, you know, and, you know, maybe you have some wisdom as to how you navigated it. I think there's always... um evolving relationships. And, you know, while we're running in um, uh, the same direction, the same way um, we could be running together. I I remember when I moved from um, Australia uh, to America, um, some things changed in that uh, people I'd been doing life with is some for 30 and 40 years. They, they were in my life, but no longer in my daily life. So that, that changes things. And I think your ability to navigate those changes um, really determines whether you can stay friends long-term. Um, if you're trying to keep someone back to where they were when they were with you, well, we're not in that place anymore, not geographically, not in a time-wise. And I have found the, the girlfriends, I have one friend that that's been with me for 40 years. I mean, when I was in Bible school before I'd ever ever done anything um, publicly. Now she's um, one of a few that's been able to do the whole journey with me for decades um, and allowed me to grow and allowed me to change and me to allow her to grow and her to change um, and not in any way kind of try to hold me back to who I was 30 years ago because I'm not that person now. I think the degree and the willingness, um, because I've got friends all over the world and lots that I've done life with for a lot of years and decades in some cases, but there is a direct correlation between their willingness to continue to allow uh, me to grow, my willingness to allow yeah. them to grow, um, us to both be going in the same direction towards Christ. It's interesting hitting my mid-50s. Um, I've found a bunch of new friends and I've, I've had to because you, it gets, you know, the, uh, my friend said to me once, you know, the the altitude gets a lot thinner up here. There's less people yeah. flying. <laughs> and the older the older you get and the longer you're, you're walking with Jesus, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about yeah. pressing into the purposes of God. You yeah. kind of look around and you go, when I started yeah. in youth group, there was like a thousand of us on right. the altar. Yeah. Here I am, Lord, we're all <laughs> yeah. going together. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. sort of get into your mid-20s. And now there's not thousands on the altar anymore. There's just like maybe a few hundred, like, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. You know, when you're 18, you're like, Lord, I'll just, I'm going to wait. I'm going to marry the man of God, (laughs) just the one. Yeah, you get in your mid-20s, you're like, Lord, I'm going to just follow you. I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to just... marry a Christian man. So you've gone from the man of God. Now you're giving God more options like Christian, you know, so it's sort of like uh, there's a bit more uh, in the range. You know, then you get, I'm thinking when I was 30 and still single, I'm like going to the altar. There's only like 10 of us, you know, like, yes, Lord. Yeah. And then by then you're like, God, just mail, give me a mail. But anyway, so you're going all the way through your life. Your girlfriends are coming with you through different seasons. And now I'm in my fifties and going, wow. Um, that you've seen either a lot drop off or just compromise or want to hold you back or just haven't been able to make the the change. 
And um, I think our willingness, because I'm such a loyal person, I love to hang on to people so much longer. I think sometimes I care about people's purpose more than they do. And I'm like, come on, we're still following Jesus. Come on, let's keep going. And as I've learned to let go and ultimately um, they are God's, <laughs> not mine. Um, it, it's hard. You know, I'm Greek. We're mafia. We're loyal. We stick together. Uh, but if I want to also continue to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me, I've got to learn along the way that there is something, some people even, I need to let go of as I um, lay a hold of what God has for me. And that that's a dance. There's nothing um, easy about that. But I think we can't just stop doing that, like to go, well, I'm in my 50s and this is, they've been around for 30 or 40 years, but you go, are we actually pursuing purpose? In some cases, do I, I need to step back, not turn my back, yeah. but just step back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got to be discerning those sorts of things constantly. I think sometimes we just get very familiar and lazy and don't continue to continue to hone our relationships. So, so do you all think that, and thank you for that, Christine, do you all think that certain relationships or positions that people hold in our lives, that they're just seasonal and that every relationship is not meant to go on? Do you all believe that? Or you think that, hey, you got to be my ride and die forever? Or have you experienced that certain things are just seasonal? Well, you guys know what I feel about letting things go, right? Sometimes we have to. <laughs> But it doesn't always have to be acrimonious or that there's something wrong with this person that they can't go with me. Relationships are a two-way street and people have different needs in relationships. And so if I'm in a friendship with someone and for them, it's important that their friendships consist of frequent communication and quality time. You know, we talk about love languages with couples, but single people and friends, there's love languages for everybody. And so if I'm friends with someone for whom quality time is their love language, and we used to spend a lot of time together, but now my life has changed in a way where we can't, then they may fill that space with people with whom they can spend that kind of time because that's something that they enjoy in a relationship. It doesn't mean they couldn't go with me or not go with me, but the relationship changed because everyone's needs may not have been being met in right. the same way. But as you said earlier, Nicole, love remains. Yeah. And that person could probably call me 10 years from now and ask me for a favor yeah. and I'd be like, hey, sure. So there's an evolution that that can happen that doesn't necessarily mean this. I think sometimes we are harsh, like this person can't go with me. This person doesn't have what they need. You know, that's just that there was an evolution and things changed. I think it's hard too when you want someone to be able to move on with you and they're not willing. One of the hardest relationships I had, and she was actually my secretary for a time and, and, and we were friends. And, um, it was while I was working in a large ministry and I discovered one day that there was like a, a sack of mail under her desk of mine that hadn't been opened in three months. And I remember sitting down and saying, okay, you know, what's the issue here? And she shared that, you know, she was kind of overworked and she wasn't making enough money and she just got behind and then didn't know what to say. So I said, okay, for the rest of this week, you and I will stay late. We'll just stay till 10 o'clock every night and we'll clear all this up. So... All I would ask from this point on was, if ever it gets too much again, tell me and I'll hire a temp. I'll have a temp come in and, you know, if you can't do it, that's fine. But just stay open in communication. And I was able to bump her salary up. And then maybe, I don't know, nine months down the road, I discovered a sack of mail again under her desk that hadn't been opened in two months. And I asked her to come into my office and she said, you're, you're firing me, aren't you? And I said, no, you fired you. I, di I didn't fire you. I, I love you and I love working with you, but, but you fired you. And, and I, 
tried so hard to work through that process with her, but she was just so offended that I would do that when she was a friend that, um, yeah. that she walked away from me and I had to let her do that. I mean, I wrote a letter to her afterwards and I said, you know what, um, I love you, I value you. I'm sorry this happened. Just know I'm always there if you need me. And maybe sometime down the road, we'll touch base again. And I'll, I will love her as much then as I did then. But it was just, it was hard. I've lived that scenario, oh, maybe a hundred times. She left. So it's complicated because we love people. We love employees. We love family. We love neighbors. And uh, we do the best we can. You know, lots of Bible verses speak to relationships. One is only God looks on the heart. So your heart was one way, but she could only see on the outside. So we get misunderstood. A Bible verse that has spoken to me recently about relationships, I have it here, is Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens face his neighbor. And the idea of this verse that we usually talk about, iron sharpens iron, is that, you know, people help other people get better. That's the way the verse has always been, uh, you know, preached to me, and that's the way I've always understood it. But recently, that verse took on a new meaning to me because the question was asked, well, how does iron sharpen? sharpen iron? How do people help each other get better? How does iron get sharper? And then it hit me, wait, iron sharpens iron with sparks and grinding. (laughs) And that sounds like some relationships that I've got. I don't know about you, but I've got some sparks and some grinding and some relationships, you know, and that was so helpful to me. Because, you know, um, I'm only as healthy as the emotional connectedness with my relationships. In other words, we're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to live alone. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be in relationship with people. And yet these relationships can be fragile. But it was a relief to me when I read that verse in that new context, because sometimes even the people I love the most you can have a few sparks and it can be a little bit grinding sometimes. And I thought to myself when I read that, oh, what a relief that even in Christian relationships, there's going to be times where there's going to have to be some tough honest conversations like Sheila was just talking about where you have to put a period maybe for a minute. It doesn't mean that you can't still be friends. It doesn't mean that you can't still go on and have respect for one another. It just means that maybe the relationship is going to morph. It's going to change or it's going to take a break or maybe it's going to be a season like we were talking about a minute 
before. I do think that I've had relationships, maybe one of my dearest friends, where there's been times where maybe I don't see that person for a while. And then in later years, boy, we get back together and she is like my heart again. So, you know, I think that God puts people in our lives and then we just, we don't have to hover to have a good friend. We can let people have space. And if we're always honoring, I think that that's the key. We don't have to grab people by the throat to love them, right? That's good. You know, my daughter Jasmine and I, we were um, just even talking about just, she's in a season of life too, and I'm not going to tell all her stuff or she'll never talk to me again. But... (laughs) But just, you know, in a season where you have, you know, friends, some are getting married, some are having babies, some are just in different places and uh, and you still love each other. And and she has said to me, she said, I kind of think of it kind of like you're a part of a tree. And, you know, for a while, the branches are growing together and then sometimes they split off. But then other times the branches will bear leaves and the leaves will begin to touch again. And I think it really comes down to how we transition with our friends and how well our friends transition with us, you know, when things begin to change. And if the transitions are peaceful, if they're still friendly, then just like you said, Robin and Christine, then later on you're able to come back and you may not have the exact same relationship that you had before, you know, but you're still able to have a relationship. But if it ends and it's kind of like really weird and strained, then it's harder to even honestly want to People change, people grow. You know, one kind of relationship that changes is children grow up. And, you know, a a part of life that is different is that, you know, your kids get married and you add a family to your family. And, um, you know, maybe that's an interesting topic for viewers is that when you add children to your children, you really take on a whole new world that maybe that's important to talk about because the scripture is very clear about the idea of you need to let your children build a new family. And that's called leave and cleave. And, you know, Dr. Anita, she probably has had a few couple thousand (laughs) sessions where maybe a new bride or a groom or maybe a mother or a grandmother where there's lots of conversation about how to navigate these families as they discover these new dynamics. And it's very important, I think, that there is um, honor for the new family and how they are allowed to find their own identity and for the family to be honored in that regard. So I would love to hear Dr. Anita talk about that because for me, as the mother-in-law or the grandma or whatever, I've learned that it's very important for for me to honor the new family and to care for them and to let them be them and for me to zip it and to be just grateful, which I am. Of course, I have perfect 
daughter-in-laws, but daughter-in-loves is what I call them. But, you know, I think that that's a real serious thing because we want children to be successful and to help them be successful. I think that we need to pray and support. So Dr. Anita, that would be something I'd really love for you to talk about. Yeah, man, that's an episode in itself, right? Because we know all the horror stories we sometimes hear about in-laws and and this uh, in-loves is not always the case for everybody. And when there are challenges in that way, and I have witnessed many, it's not because the child got married. The challenge started before that because the transition from child to adult child was not made well by the parent. You know, even the fact that we still call them children. I say this often, my son and daughter will always be my son and daughter. They will not always be my children. My my son, Michael, is 23 years old. He's a college degree, a full-time job and paying rent. He is my son, but he is no longer my child. And I'm careful with that language to remind me that I'm not dealing with children because we can keep that dynamic, that parent-child dynamic forever. The child could be married, they could have their own children, and we're still making certain demands of them that we made of them when we were children, when they are expecting them to work with us and do what we say in the way that we expected from them when they were children. So we need to think about how our relationships with our children need to change once they become adults and start that transition before they reach adulthood. So my daughter is 19. We're in a completely different relationship than we were even two years ago because I am preparing constantly, even when she was a middle schooler, I was already thinking, what kind of relationship do I want to have with her when she's 30? I started working on that when she was 13 because the emotional health of our relationship at 13 is going to impact what it is at 30. And so if all of our relationships is around rules and enforcement and do what I say, then once your power is gone, what's left of the relationship? Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. So we have to really balance that so that they're ready to build their families and you've built a place in their life that they would love to have you in. (laughs) But it starts years earlier. Based on what you said, Dr. Anita, as far as there not being children and how you planned your relationship with your daughter for when she's 30, back when she was 13. I love that. And um, I, I heard you say something, Sheila, a long time ago, too. You were talking about Christian and we were on Women of Faith together. And you said, I do my best to say yes as much as possible so that when I have to say no, my no counts. It was as if you were fostering a relationship that you knew was not just a today relationship, but something that you wanted to carry on into the future. And so, you know, even before we wrap this up, you know, do do you have a piece of wisdom that you want to share, even based on the fact of what I just said, you being the wise mother that you are um, in that that realm? Well, it just, it it changes and evolves and grows, you know, as time goes on. And I've learned that one of the greatest gifts that I can give my son is, is respect. And at the moment, what we're enjoying most in our relationship is I listen a lot. You know, he's processing so much of life. And, you know, as a 25-year-old, he looks at our world and he sees it very differently than, than, than I do. And so I've learned the joy of, of listening. And, and what I've discovered is he wrote me a little note on my birthday. I just turned 65. And he wrote, Mom, I'm so grateful that I could always come to you in every season of life, in the best days and the worst days, and you would listen to me. That I think sometimes just the gift of presence and the gift of listening is huge. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all for your wisdom that you've shared today, for real. I mean, it's meant a lot to me as well. 
Um, some of the things I'm implementing and some of them I'm going to. So I really do appreciate you sharing, not just with me, but with all of us today. And, and some of you out there, you may, you know, you may be going through seasons with your own, whether it's a teenager or an, uh, an adult that you've raised in your home that was once your child, but no longer your child, but still your son or your daughter. And you're trying to navigate some things, or you might be trying to navigate, you know, relationships that were once close, but now are a little strained or may have gone in separate paths and you're feeling a little guilty or you're just kind of needing wisdom. You know, well, we want to pray for you, you know, because we're not saying that we have all the answers, even though we've experienced some things, we know some things, but we do know the one who has all the answers. And so we want to pray for you today that he'll give you the grace that you need, the wisdom that you need, the strength that you need, the confidence that he will work all of these different scenarios together for your good because you do love him. I believe you love him. And if you don't, you can start loving him today and um, because you are called according to his purpose. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for just us being able to just stop and discuss just relationships, Lord, and how sometimes things do change. And sometimes it's a little hard on our hearts because we don't want things to change. We're used to them being the way that they were. But Lord, we know that in order for us to become who you have called us to be, that change is inevitable, Lord. That's the way that we become. And so, Lord, I pray over my sisters and my brothers who are listening in today, Lord, who might be going through their own transition of relationships with their sons or daughters or friends or coworkers or whatever, whoever it may be, Lord. I pray that you would give them the grace that they need, Lord, the wisdom, the strategy, Lord, the peace, the hope that they need, Lord, so that they might do every day with you, with their loved ones, Lord, in a way that is pleasing to you, sir. So Lord, again, I just thank you that we are able to discuss what we have. I pray that the, the solutions that have been given would be taken by those who are in need, Lord. And when it's all said and done, Lord, our lives and our relationships would ultimately please you, Lord. And people would look at us and what we have gone through and who we're walking with and say they must know Jesus. And I wanna know the same Jesus too. So Lord, again, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. We bless you in Jesus' name, amen.